America's democracy hangs in the balance. While you're tuned into politics, Greer McVay, host of the Capital G podcast, will help you make sense of the news of the day and more importantly, understand how what goes on in our nation's capital is important to you and your family. Greer shares insights and opinions in the lead up to the election, and then will help guide you through the anticipated aftermath and into the next administration. That's politics with a capital G. Hi, and welcome to the Capital G Podcast. I'm your host, Greer McVeigh. Today, we're going to talk about where the presidential election currently stands. Well, the election technically is over. Um, But the voting continues and the official winner has not yet been certified. And we'll talk about what that means. Um, But we are now on day nine, (laughs) literally nine days since the election and polls closed. And there is as much up in the air as there is known. So I'm going to walk through sort of the scenarios, what we see, which obviously we know we have a president who's pushing back and saying that it's all fake and rigged. So we're going to talk about what that means and look at some different uh, theories or scenarios and come up with where we think we are and how we're going to move forward. But first, let's jump into a few big numbers. Uh, as Usual, we have uh, big numbers that pertain to the coronavirus, and right now the numbers uh, are growing exponentially. There is a major outbreak in the um, in the in the Midwest, particularly. Um, so the first big number is nine. Nine is the number of days in a row that coronavirus cases. Uh, confirmed coronavirus cases, new confirmed coronavirus cases has exceeded 100,000, nine days in a row. So what started off as, well, there's just one, but there's a few, there's five, there's 15, it'll be down to zero. Oh, you know, we're going to reopen everything on on Easter because it's going away. We're turning the corner, we're shifting, all that is out the window. We're at over 100,000 people per day who are now testing positive for nine, at least nine days in a row. Um, on Thursday, so today, <laughs> uh, the number by uh, put out by Johns Hopkins for the number of people who tested positive for coronavirus today alone, in one day alone, is 144,133. 144,000 people across the country have tested positive today. At the rate we're going, we are anticipating we'd have 200 to 250,000 people a day by the end of the year that are testing positive. Two states have now reached the 1 million uh, COVID case 
Mark, those numbers, yesterday was Texas, and then today California surpassed that. So we're now at a place where, I mean, fortunately, I, I guess if you want to look at a bright side, at least the big states, it's not like, you know, the little, you know, Rhode Island or Delaware or something has got a million cases. But given that California is a state of about 40 million, that's that still is a very high number. So um, we're starting to see a lot of counties, I believe there was 11 counties on Tuesday, Governor Newsom reported that those 11 counties have uh, reached a higher level of, of um, what do you call it, on the, on the scale. They, they've reached a different tier. So they're going to turn back some of the reopenings, and which means wineries are going to be closed for in-person tasting, um, bowling alleys, uh, hair salons, Gyms, I think gyms are definitely on the list. Restaurants, the number of people instead of 50% indoor, it's more 25% or they can't be indoor after certain hours. So check with your county. Every county is going to be a little bit different, but um, it just, it has to be done. And until we get some bigger action, activity, movement, it looks like this is just sort of what we have to deal with. Um, the next big number is 290. 290 is the number of electoral votes that Joe Biden has uh, that called by AP and all the media. Uh, they look at, you know, or the states put those numbers out. So basically what they look at is are the number of people, uh, the number of votes left to count sufficient that that the projection or that the likelihood that that person would lose or that it would change the vote. How did I say that? Are the numbers of people who, the, the numbers of outstanding votes sufficient that they would turn the trajectory around? And the answer in most cases is no. There are still four or five states that still have not been called. But at this point, they don't matter because Joe Biden has already surpassed the necessary 270 votes. Uh, but he has 290, I'm sorry, the 270 elect, uh, needed electoral votes. He's at 290. Trump is at 217. Even if Trump were to win all the outstanding states, which include Georgia, where they're doing a recount, that would include... Um, South Carolina, Alaska. Well, they actually called Alaska. So even if Trump won whatever states were left, he's he can't, he he's out of it. So that's just not gonna happen. But we're gonna talk about that. Give me just a minute to get through these these final numbers. Um, actually, what I have now are not today's big numbers, but they're today's big dates. So these are the next round of dates for uh certification. And again, we're going to talk about what certification means, but November 20th is the date that Georgia is supposed to certify their votes or their, their, uh, the vote count. November 23rd, that's Pennsylvania and Michigan. Their vote counts are due on that day. Their certifications are due that day. Nevada, November 24th. And keep in mind, some states have already done it. Some other states have different dates. 
I'm only giving you the states, the, the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven states that are um, that are still sort of questionable. That were close enough that there's some discrepancy as to who the winner is. Certification is going to be really a critical thing. So November 24th is Nevada. November 30th is Arizona. December 1st is Wisconsin. And then December 8th is an is an interesting day. And it's just, well, let me let me go to December 14th first. So December 14th is the date that the Electoral College will meet. That's the day that the electors will actually cast their vote. So we what we do basically as voters is we vote and we're like, this is who we want. And then the electors in each state take the popular vote from that state and that's how they cast their vote when they meet on December 14th. So that is obviously a really big date. However, what the electors do is based on the, certif the certified vote count of each state. So the electors say, oh, well, my state, you know, overwhelmingly picked Joe Biden or picked Trump by X percentage or by three by three point margin or however they look at those numbers and that's where they're going to vote. But they look at the votes that were certified. So if the votes weren't certified, they're not official until they're certified. So it so getting the vote certified is is an important thing. Again, we're going to get back to the certification. The December 8th date is the safe harbor date. So if it looks like all the states that the vote counts, that there's nothing irregular, everything is moving fine, we're going to be, we're getting all the, uh, all the votes are certified. So the electors will be able to meet and that date, then it's like, oh, okay, now this, the electors will move forward with casting their vote as their state's certified elect uh, certified results would have them do. If there's some hanky-panky, if there's some not a meeting of the minds, if there's confusion, if there's whatever, then it's like, oh, well, the electors can't meet and do their thing because there's so much uncertainty and it's so, you know, uh, uh, crazy out there. So then, well, we don't know. So they could either vote maybe a different way. We'll talk about that as well. But they could vote a different way or a second set of electors could be sent in, in which case then it gets really kind of wonky. And that's when it goes off to Congress to, to vote. And that's a date in January, I believe, January 8th. So before we get to that, let's sort of talk through where we are right now. So in addition to the big numbers of the day, and in addition to those big dates that I just gave you, those certification dates, I have a couple of, I have three big words for the day. One word is coup or coup d'etat, which is a removal of an existing government or overthrowing a government. So a coup. So we're going to talk about that. What a coup is, uh, Georgia, Georgia on my mind. Georgia is the second big word. And Georgia, right now, all eyes are on Georgia. Less, less because of the presidential race, which Joe Biden is ahead in Georgia for the first time since, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 years. So it's been a long time since Georgia voted for 
a Democrat who was not from the South. And Joe Biden is not a Democrat from the South. So it's a big deal. Basically, he turned the state red or it's turned the state from red to blue. So that is an interesting point. But the reason that everybody's looking at Georgia right now really has to do with the Senate race and how the Senate race factors into the presidential race. So I'm going to back us into that conversation in just a minute. And the third big word of the day is ascertainment. Ascertainment is the formal process of determining for certain to, to ascertain who is the likely presidential uh, winner. And ascertainment is important because the Government Services Administration or the GSA, the administrator of the GSA, once they know who is the presumptive winner or the president-elect, which we all know right now that to be Joe Biden, because everybody has called it, the numbers suggest it, people are out in the street celebrating it, therefore it is, right? However, it is not official because the election, the votes have not been certified and the GSA therefore hasn't done some of the things that they need to do, which enables Joe Biden to move forward with his transition. And that's a critical step in any administration. If you've been watching any of the news lately, you've heard about you know, why it's so critical from a national security standpoint that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris be given, basically given the keys to the kingdom so that they can, you know, get forward and be able to hit the ground running on January 20th when they become president and vice president of the United States. What's really, um, not only is it just dangerous, that the that they're not getting their briefings, that they don't have offices set up, but they also have to be able to pick their uh, Joe Biden. I shouldn't say they. Joe President President Elect Biden needs to be able to pick his cabinet, and all those cabinet positions in normal world, which we haven't had in the last four years, but those people have background screenings and checks have to be done. They have to get security clearances. All of that stuff takes time. The FBI does that. And all of that stuff takes time and getting people here. Keep in mind that there are people who are experts in their field or who are applying for jobs that are coming from all over. If people need to be able to pack up and move and relocate and move their families and all that kind of stuff, they need to know that they're going to get the job. They can't know if they get the job until, they, <laughs> until they've had a background check like anybody else, right? Except obviously it's more important because they're dealing with, you know, our nation secrets and things like that. So ascertainment has not happened. The GSA administrator is saying, well, I don't know. I don't know who the, who the president-elect is because, you know, I don't know. Well, according to the last or previous GSA administrators, you don't need certification. It's like everybody can see because we can all do the math and we can figure out if Joe Biden is winning by, I don't know, 40,000 votes and there are only 12,000 ballots left to count, even if he lost every last one of them, 
he would still be up by 28,000 votes, right? So, and then even if you want to do a recount, you're not going to recount, you know, it's not going to be, it might be a, a few dozen or a hundred or 200 votes, but it's not going to be 30,000 votes that, that get changed or flipped or whatever. So that leads me to sort of the big challenge we're facing right now. And the big thou- challenge that we're facing at the moment is that we have a president who refuses to acknowledge the reality that all the rest of us know. And then the question becomes, why? Is it just that he's so used to a circus and a reality show type atmosphere and the chaos that, you know, that, you know, is he delusional? He just really doesn't know. Or is there something more nefarious going on? Or is there something maybe not so nefarious, but just something fishy, right? So is it, it's like, he's crazy, something fishy or something nefarious. Those are the sort of the three ends of the spectrum that we're going to talk about. Um, So, On last Saturday, uh, when all the when everybody called the the race, all the Fox News, uh, it, CNN, MSNBC, and AP, and AP, uh, the Associated Press, that's the main uh, uh, news outlet that calls races. And when they did, everybody was like, "Okay." And we had been waiting, we'd been watching, we'd been. We started with a red, with the red uh, mirage, and then we had the blue shift. The red mirage were the people who voted on election day, and it looked like, wow, Trump's got a whole lot of votes. And he does have a whole lot of votes. Biden had a lot of votes, but not as many votes. But Biden's votes had been, most of them, most Democrats had voted you know, overwhelmingly to um uh, they voted by absentee ballot or by, you know, some sort of uh, mail-in vote or absentee ballot or whatever. So those votes had to be counted. Some states allowed them to start counting in advance so that on the day of the election, they already had that number and it was a nice smooth thing. Other states were like, nope, you can't start counting until tomorrow. Okay, so we had all these sort of things that were already teed up and we knew what to look for. And true to form, Trump came out on election night and he said, whoa, I won. I got all the votes. Look at how many votes I have. I've got millions more votes than than Biden. Well, we knew that wasn't, you know, we were primed to be patient and wait and let them count. So they started counting. As the counting was occurring, Trump is tweeting. You know, stop the vote, stop the count. It's a fraud, it's a hoax, it's a this, it's a that. So as he's doing that, you know, people are like, okay, dude, you obviously something, you must know something is not going your way. And as the votes were tabulated, more and more votes, again, because on average about 70% of the votes that were that were coming in and as many as 90 95% of the votes of the mail ins were going toward 
Joe Biden. So eventually, it just stood to, you know, I, it was stood the reason that he was going to catch up. And of course, Joe Biden did catch up and overtook Trump in most states, not every single state. There's still, like I said, a couple of states that are still uh, questionable. Well, in the meantime, Trump's whole strategy was, I'm going to say, no, I'm not going to concede. I'm going to challenge every vote. And what he wants to do is throw out the votes. He wants to throw out different kinds of votes for different reasons. So he wants, in some states, he wants to throw out votes that were received, but were received after um, the, the, the election day. So after the, the uh, polls closed, he's like, oh, no, 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 no. We can't count those. Well, in most states, the law says as long as it's postmarked by election day, they'll receive it up to, you know, I think 10 is the, the longest, as many as 10 days after. But most are more like three days after. Keep in mind, Trump uh, put Louis DeJoy in charge of the post office, the postal, U.S. Postal Service, who took away, you know, mailboxes, slowed it down, and wouldn't pay mailmen, mail letter carriers over time, and all of this stuff. So there were all these shenanigans. So you, you know, oh, they're going to use mail-in ballots. Well, what we'll do is stop the mail, and then we won't count the mail. And then if they're late because you know we slow the mail down. Well, not our fault. So if we do that, then we're, you know, so all these things are going on. So at any rate, uh, Trump started filing these lawsuits. So each lawsuit, so as he filed lawsuits, and he didn't file them in all states. Again, he only filed them in states where it served his purposes, which is part of the challenge that he has. So you can't go say, oh, there's voter fraud, rampant voter fraud but it only exists in the states that I lost. And I'm going to wait and see if I lose the state before I file the, you know, if it's voter fraud, there's voter fraud and you'd have evidence. So he's, uh, at this point, I believe he's filed 10 different lawsuits in different states saying everything from, you know, ordering that they throw specific ballots out or that they stop counting ballots or that they disqualify certain people. They've had lawsuits to allow the, you know, they're like, it just wasn't fair or people weren't in the room. And as it turns out, in in suit after suit after suit, there is no evidence of the claims that they're making. And judges across the board have been tossing them. On record, Trump's lawyers are saying, well, yeah, we don't have any evidence. of." So all the stuff that they're saying that is happening, there is no evidence that it is happening. He's losing. Again, he's losing sort of across the board. All those are getting thrown out. So then you ask, well, then why won't he concede? If he doesn't have really, if he's just shouting at the wind talking about, oh my God, you know, the, the ballots are fake and it's then why continue? So there are, I have five or six theories. I have six theories. I'm going to try to get through these really quickly. Um, but these sort of might explain what he's thinking. And if we understand sort of what he's thinking, we might be able to extrapolate from that where we're going to end up. So one theory is simply that he's having a tantrum. 
Republicans have said, you know, the people from his campaign team have said, you know, he's just having a really hard time accepting this reality. And, and he wasn't expecting it. He thought he was going to win and he just needs time to get comfortable with it. And okay, you know what? That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. If you don't have, you know, I, I, you know, my son had a tantrum one time. We were on a target. I think he was about three and he wanted something and I wasn't getting it for him. And he threw himself out on the floor and I looked at him and I turned and walked away. I was like, I'm not, I don't, I don't know you. I don't know what you're doing. You need to get up right now. And he just cried. I turned and I walked away and he, I saw him, I sort of, you know, looking over my shoulder, but I saw him. And he sort of looked at me out the corner of his eyes and he said, oh, she's walking away. He stopped crying. He got up. He came after me. That was the one and only time he had a tantrum. If you let a baby have a tantrum, if you encourage it, then they'll keep doing it. You stop it. You shut it down. So the fact that he, you know, we want to sit here and say, well, he needs time. No, he doesn't need time. We need to, he needs to grow up and accept the reality. Okay, just like everybody, Hillary had to, and John McCain had to, and Mitt Romney had to, and Al Gore had, you know, that's just the way it goes. Okay, so that's that's one theory. I don't think that's what it is. I do think he's a big baby. I do think he's having a tantrum, but I don't think that he's so paralyzed with the fact that he can't move forward. I don't think that's it. So uh, theory number two is that the strategy is that there's an actual strategy behind this. So the whole, every, all the rest of these theories are predicated on delaying the, um, the, the, uh, the date that they, what is the word that I used? It's delaying the um, certification date. So if they can, stop the votes from being certified, then there are some other things you can do. So one of the things you can do is convince enough electors to go against their state's popular vote. That's highly unlikely. The Supreme Court actually ruled on this back in uh, June or July and essentially said, no, if you're, whatever the rules are that your state starts with is the at the beginning of the election season, that's what your state needs to stick with. None of the states said, oh, you know, we're going to let our electors go rogue. We're going to let them do whatever they want. That's not an option. Will they do it? Could they try it? Yeah, but there are actually penalties if they do. There are fines. They can be removed as an elector. Unfortunately, I don't think they can be sent to jail or anything, but each state is different and how they um, deal with rogue, we'll just call them rogue electors. So it doesn't look like that is something that could happen. And some states have it codified that you, the electors will vote with the popular vote. So that doesn't look like it's going to happen, but we've seen, you know, Trump sycophants do worse. So, you know, who knows, but I, I thought that for a long time, that was probably one of my biggest concerns were these electors that were going to go rogue. So I just want to say that's not likely to, to be the case. 
the uh, third theory is a coup. Uh, basically, the coup would be against the incoming government. And basically, like, we're just not going to, we're not going to acknowledge them. We're not going to leave. We're going to just keep governing as we choose. And, you know, and as we've watched for the last four years, Republicans have effectively uh, let Trump have free reign. They don't even have a, their, the, the Republican National Party didn't even have a platform. Their platform literally said whatever he wants. That's what it said. It said, you know, we here, we hereby support our president with whatever he wants to do. So, you know, so who knows what they'll do. But in order for the Congress to do something, which to do something would be to overrule the will, the will of the people in their state and to cast votes in favor of Trump. In order for that to happen, we'd have to go back and the electors would have to not have done it. So if the electors are not um, uh, in agreement, if there is no general consensus on who the winner is and there's some confusion or two slates of electors are sent to to, uh, you know, to, to present their, you know, here's, well, this slate says, you know, they're going with their state and this other slate of electors is doing this other thing and there's all this confusion, then yes, it could turn to, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but it could turn to the Congress to cast a vote. In each state, that would be the House of Representatives, not the Senate, the House of Representatives. And while the Democrats control the House of Representatives. The way that it would work in this instance would not be, you know, by state or it wouldn't be as a body, as a whole uh, uh, House of Representatives. It would be by state and each state only has one vote. So the which so whoever the majority of your delegation. So if you have more Republican more Republican representatives than Democratic representatives, then the Republicans will control the one vote for that state. And more states have Republican uh, leadership. So presumably they could say, oh, well, we're going to vote for Trump. Again, that's a one, it's a, it's a stretch. So it means that the electoral college broke down either the certifications didn't happen, or if it does, that the electoral college broke down and then it gets to the Congress. And another reason that that might not work is we're now finally starting to see some uh, uh, congressmen say, you know what, we need to let Joe Biden start to do his transition work, led by uh, Congress uh, Representative Lankford. I don't know what state Lankford's from, but he's, said that in several, I think Mitt Romney and I think four or five different Republican House members have at least publicly acknowledged Joe Biden as president-elect. And I think over the next couple of days, we're going to see more of that because of sort of the couple of, because of theory number five and number six. So, uh, so a coup is not likely to happen Anything is possible, but I'm no longer as fearful of that as I was about a week ago. Um, the next issue is 
Georgia. Georgia, Georgia, Georgia. Georgia's on my mind. Right now, the Senate Republicans have 50, um, they have 50 senators who have won their races. The Democrats stand at 48. Technically, I think it's 46 plus two, the independents who caucus with the Democrats. But there's still two outstanding seats. Both of them are in Georgia. One is with Raphael Warnock, who's challenging incumbent Kelly Loeffler. The other is John Ossoff, who's challenging incumbent David Perdue. Um, the Warnock-Loeffler race has gone to a runoff election because not, none of the candidates got over 50%. Because nobody got over 50%, they have a runoff. With the top two goat-getters, those were Warnock and, and Loeffler. So they will be in a runoff on January 5th. The other race in Georgia with John Ossoff and David Perdue, David Perdue is well, he's the incumbent, he's a Republican. He is sufficiently ahead of, of John Ossoff. However, he did not get 50%. He is now at 49.7%. They've not finished the vote count there. So technically, he could, you know, he could go back up. But the base, again, we're counting those mail-in ballots, right? So the mail-in ballots were taking away the lead, whittled away uh, Purdue's lead to such a point that he's now under 50%. So they are very likely, but that has not been certified. So they are very likely to have a runoff. Just as a side note, both Kelly Loeffler, Loeffler and David Perdue were, I'll say accused, credibly accused of insider trading. They were people who got those uh, briefings on the coronavirus back in the early days, back in, I believe it was in February, maybe Jan late January or February, early February. And then they turned around and then went and sold stocks, bought stocks, did some, you know, uh, stock market manipulation based on information they had while they were telling their constituents that everything is fine with coronavirus. I'm just saying, just putting that out there. And David Perdue, just as an, another added like little aside, he was the one you may remember about maybe three or four weeks ago, he was given a, he was given a speech and I think he was at a Trump rally or he was at some sort of a rally. And he's he talked about Kamala Harris and he says, and Kamala, la, 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 whatever. I don't know how to say her name. I'm just saying a little petty of me, but that he has worked with her now for three years. He knows her name. He knew how to say Kamala, but he refused to, he dehumanized her by, you know, trying to, like demean her, take away her identity. I don't know how to say her name. Like it's a foreign sounding, like Barack Hussein Obama or whatever. And it is like, you know what, dude, whatever. So presumably that race also will go to a runoff. So those two Senate races in Georgia are the difference between Mitch McConnell still being Senate majority leader and Mitch McConnell not being Senate majority leader. That is a big part of what is going on, why people are uh, don't want to upset Donald Trump. They don't want to upset Donald Trump's base. 
the people who voted for him, the people who love him, the people who, you know, go to his rallies and get sick and die for him. They're like, well, you know, if if we acknowledge the reality that Joe Biden is the president elect and go ahead and, you know, uh, and ascertain that he is the the president elect and give him the keys to the kingdom and let him set up his office and give him the money, the millions of dollars that it needs to do his transition plan. If they do that, um, if they do that, then that'll upset Trump. And if Trump is upset, then he lashes out at them on Twitter or social media. And then people will be like, well, I'm not going to vote in Georgia or I'm not going to do this or you know, whatever it is. Meanwhile, Loeffler and Purdue joined together in a lawsuit in Georgia to demand that the Secretary of State be resigned. They're like, he needs to resign. We deserve a fair, a free and fair election and all this nonsense. Well, a free and fair election, it was a free and fair election. So if you think it wasn't, then why do you think it wasn't? What did you, what evidence do you have that it was anything less than, of course, like Trump, they don't have any evidence because it was free and fair. So, but the assumption is that they're going along with this and all these Congress people are going along with this hoax, this scheme, this uh, delusion just to appease Trump so that Trump can, uh, you know, stay on their good side so that they can have this race in Georgia and get these last two Senate seats. Georgians are out there. I don't know how it's going to go, obviously, but I think people are motivated and I think people understand the stakes. And I think people understand that Mitch McConnell has done nothing for Americans or for Kentuckians for the last, hell, 10, 13 years since Obama was president. When on Obama's first day, he said, my number one goal is to make Obama a one-term president and then proceeded to obstruct every single thing that Obama ever tried to do. Didn't bring anything up for a vote. Nancy Pelosi, who was Speaker of the House then, passed all of Obama's legislation. Mitch McConnell didn't even bring stuff up for a vote. So it just sat and died. That's Mitch McConnell. So here we are. You know, and he's also the same one who didn't let, you know, who basically stole Obama's um, Supreme Court seat. So, you know, do we want to give him two more seats? So he has 52 and he be, he retains his leadership, his majority uh, leadership in the Senate. I would think not. But, you know, I guess it's up to Georgia voters to, to make that determination. It would then be tied 50-50. Kamala is uh, the president, the vice president of the United States is the president of the Senate. And then the tiebreaker and then the majority, we would be the majority party. The Democrats would be the majority party. So that's sort of what's going on with that. Now, these last two things over the last day or two, a lot of reporting has started to come out about these last two theories. and. 
I'm starting to think that these things, because Trump, you know, really doesn't tend to you have a lot of strategy behind what he does. A lot of stuff really doesn't work out as he plans it. So I'm starting to think that these are really the crux of what's going on. Yes, if he could get the electors to give him the presidency again, which I don't think he wants. And there was some reporting that he doesn't really want to be president. He just doesn't want to look like a loser and he doesn't want to go out and he doesn't want to go to jail and all that. But if, you know, if the electors went his way or, you know, broke tradition or broke the law and voted for him, or if the, if the Congress voted for him in a coup, he'd take it, fine. But the bigger thing seems to be, as usual, the grift. It seems to be about the money that can be made. So two things are happening right now. One is Trump, while he's filing all these lawsuits, they're frivolous lawsuits because he's literally going into court and they don't have any evidence. They're, it's not even like they're like they've got bad evidence or they've got evidence, but they're well, we look at it this way and you look at it this way. They just literally going in there and it's like they don't even have any doc papers in their hand. They're just like, here's our here's our one piece of paper, here's our form. Anyway, so but Trump is raising money for the legal defense. So he's like, oh my God, they've stolen this from us and we can't be, and I'm fighting for you and we've got to fight and we're going to every state in the land. We're going to the courthouse. We're going to the Supreme Court, but it costs money to do that. And I need you guys to send me money. So as people who are sending the money, the money is being diver di di uh, uh, diverted into it, it, well, now they've set up a pack. But initially, it was like X amount of the money, like 50-50 or 60-40, is going to retire Trump's campaign debt. The other money is going to the legal defense. So even from the beginning, the small print says the money is not going to the legal defense because there is no legal defense. There is no, there's nothing there. There's no there there. So we can go to court. I guess that keeps paying Rudy Giuliani, I suppose, but there's no, there's no there. So one is <clears throat> the money is being used for other purposes. Then they actually went ahead and just set up a pack. So now their campaign literature, their literature says the money is going into a pack. Some of it is going to Trump's pack, I think it's called Save America PAC or something. The other is going to the RNC, the Republican National Committee. Once they reach the threshold, the maximum amount that they can raise, which is $8,000 or $8,300, once they reach that amount, the rest will go up to a certain amount, will go to the um, to, to this legal defense. So. The bottom line is we're making money. So as people are sending in their little $25, $20, $100, two, five, you know, whatever, that money's not going anywhere. Bigger donors, mega donors are not even, they know better. They're like, Trump is done. They're not throwing their money away. So, you know, and anybody that might give $8,000 or whatever, okay, after the first 8,000, whatever, you know, you give 10,000, okay, 2,000 will go to this legal defense that is going to lose because it's already losing. So why are you sending good, throwing good money after bad? 
So there's just a way to make money on his way out the door. But here's the other thing. And this is something we knew back in 2016 when Trump ran, initially ran for president. And we all sort of, well, I shouldn't say we all, but I knew um, he didn't want to win, right? I think most people sort of understood that it really was a marketing ploy that he did. It was like, oh, I'm going to run for president and as a brand building thing. And he was trying to renegotiate his contract for The Apprentice and he they didn't want to pay him much money and he wanted more money. So he was making himself more marketable. And, you know, that's how it started. Then as he got good at it, as he got out there and started beating people and winning primaries, it was like, holy crap, you know, maybe there's something there. Then they decided they were going to do their own media channel like Trump TV. And there's been all kinds of reporting through the last four years that show that they really were moving forward with doing such a such an enterprise. Well, we're back to that now. So now there is talk about Trump doing a streaming service. So imagine, if you will, uh, Trump got 70 million votes. Biden got 75 million. Or I think I think Trump might be up to like 72 or 73, and Biden is up to like 78. But Trump Biden is like five million more votes, four or five million more than Trump. But imagine just we'll say 70 million, just because it's a nice round number. If only 10% of the people, if 10% of those 70 million who voted for Trump signed up for a monthly streaming service, TV service kind of thing, something I could do right on my laptop. If 10%, let's just say 10%, that's just a very conservative, that's 7 million people. If 7 million people paid him $10 a month, to be a you know for a subscription to Trump TV or Trump streaming internet follies, that's seventy million dollars a month he would make. That's I think what Trump is doing right now. He's agitating his followers, his voters. He's saying we were robbed, we were stolen, we were this, we were that, getting them all worked up. The media is against us. The media is lamestream media. They're calling racist. Since when does the media get to decide who's the president? The media has always decided who's president. They're not deciding. The voters decide. The media looks and they report. And they're like, oh, we can see by the numbers that Trump can't win. Biden is the winner. He's the projected winner. We've done that for 200 years. We've done that forever. But all of a sudden, it's like this big scandal and the media and the, the they're calling and they think they're in control and we need to have our own voice. We don't have a voice. He's the president of the United States of America. Of course, he has a voice, but he's saying he doesn't have a voice and he's got to. And in order for me to, you know, so now he's going to have to have his own media outlet in order to tell the real story and in order to be a thorn in the side of of of. Uh, uh, President Biden and Vice President Harris. That's what he's doing. He is setting himself up. He is getting people agitated and worked up and out in the streets. And these are the people who will subscribe. And and, and I just said 10%. What if it was 20%? That's 140 million. What if it's 50% of them? 
that's 35 million, 35 people times $10, that's $350 million a month. What if he charged them $20? Well, that's $700 million a month. It All of a sudden, whatever little schemes and scandals he's running over here, assuming he's not in jail, he's setting himself up for the big payday. He's taken his mailing list. He's taken his Twitter feed. And he's, and now, and if you watch over the next few days, he is all in against Fox News. Fox News brought him to the party. Fox, he called himself the cash cow. And, and Fox News just doesn't appreciate the cash cow that they had because, you know, they ran Trump into the ground. He's, you know, uh, was their, you know, their big get. He'd come out every day. He'd perform. He'd do whatever. They covered him. And yes, they sold ads and they made money and all that. Fine. He's now wants to basically compete against Fox. So rather than to partner with Fox or to become, he can't be a host on a, 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 the Trump hour. I mean, why would you do that when you can have a stable of people? You've got uh, Huckabee will have her own show uh, and her daddy will have his own show and Kaylee McEnany and Sean Spicer and uh, 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 Stephen Miller. And, I mean, all these people, you know, how you feel 24 hours, you know, the Laura Trumps and the Ivankas and uh, Jared, and, uh, all these people, all these people get their own time and all that is money that comes into Trump's pocket. So I really think that's where we're going with this. I think as he has uh, set himself up and laid this out, He's got, he's, you know, one could argue that that's kind of brilliant. If, you know, if I could get, you know, 7 million people to give me $10 a month to listen to me, I'll sit here and talk for 24 hours, obviously, longer than it takes to drink a cup of coffee. So anyway, so those are the things as we look at what's happened over the last few days and it's like, what is sort of resonating? What's working? What's What's, you know, why are people, why are Republicans, you know, not congratulating Biden or why are they pretending like, like Trump has a chance? Well, you know, it could be that they really would turn against their, their constituents and do something that people didn't ask. Then we will have probably, you know, fighting in the streets. Um, but it's more likely that rank and file Republicans or uh, uh, establishment Republicans just want to stay on his good side. They want his voters so they can get this January 5th Georgia thing out of the way. And, you know, and then Trump can, you know, they want to leave on good terms. I'll just put it that way. When the January 20th rolls along and we get a new president and if he's out the door, everybody can breathe a sigh of relief. Right. And for Trump, what he wants is to set himself up for the next thing. I really don't even think anymore that he wants to be president, but he has to go out as a victim, as a person, as with a vendetta, with a vengeful, you know, place in his heart and your heart and the viewer's heart so that you're like, yeah, I'm going to watch Trump because he's going to tell us because Q is going to tell us, you know, because QAnon 
is, and I think Trump, some people think Trump is cute. I don't know why Trump would be cute, but whatever. But they think he's cute and he's going to come and he's going to tell them what's really happening in the deep state and in the in the backwoods. And he was inside. He was in the belly of the beast and he knows. And so you got to watch his, you know, 24-7 Trump in order to get that. And now people are getting off of Twitter. They're mad at Twitter. So they're going to this new thing called, what's it called? Uh, Purser, Mercer. <laughs> it's... There's some 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 new uh I can't think of what it is. Learner, per burner, some some new social media thing that you know all the right wing people are going to. It's like, okay, bye. You know, they're like Trump made Twitter famous. And so he's gonna take his ball and he's gonna go, and it's fine. So let me just start to wrap this up. So I think we can sort of see what he's probably doing. Obviously, we won't know. We still have these dates that we've got to watch and see what happens. In the meantime, though, he is still president. And he has started firing people, people in positions in, in our like national defense apparatus, which is very, the national, the, the uh, uh, he fired the, uh, the defense secretary the other day, Mark Esper, and then people are resigning in protest. And so I've said this before. Trump has been up to something. He's in somebody's pocket, probably Putin, maybe others, maybe the Saudis, maybe whatever. But he's never said an ill word about Vladimir Putin of Russia. So with his, I think we have about 67, 67 or 68 days remaining in his presidency. What can he do? And he's now starting to make moves. We really need to watch that. And I will for you over the next few days. But it's going to be um, critical. You know, there are concerns about him possibly selling state secrets now that he knows what the state secrets are or what's an Area 51 or, you know, whether we have UFOs or whatever. Whatever it is that he knows is worth something. And if he's got all this debt, this $400 million worth of debt that's coming due, we've got to wonder what will he do with that information. Um, which is a really unfortunate thing to have to think or wonder or to suspect about your own president. But I digress. So we'll keep watching that. Um, two little points I want to point out. And I, as I wrap up, uh, this Sunday on 60 Minutes, uh, Sunday, November 15th, Barack Obama will uh, is giving an interview. So if you have an opportunity, you might want to tune in. And He's going to be talking about his new book. It's not clear to me. They said it, it took, it, it's so long, it's like 700 and something pages. And it ended up being in two volumes. So it's not clear to me if they're releasing one volume now and another volume later, or if both volumes are in the same book. You know, I'm, That's not right clear to me right now. Um, but Barack Obama's new book called A Promised Land uh, drops on November 17th. So sounds like probably a good Christmas present. If y'all are starting to think about, you know, what to give for Christmas, I, I bet, you know, a few of those will be gotten. Um, you know, if I got one, I wouldn't 
you know, I wouldn't send it back. Just saying. Anyway, so I thank you so much, though, for listening today. Um, as as we just sort of wrap up this this, well, we haven't officially wrapped up the 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 election, the campaign season. Um, but I think we, I hope we all know how it's going to turn out. Hopefully, you know, we have a president-elect Biden. He's moving forward with his transition to the best of his ability. Um, while, you know, the current president isn't extending a, a hand of, of welcome on behalf of the country, right? The transition is so that the new president can hit the ground running and we're all safe during the, you know, during this time, during the interregnum. And, you know, when the new president is there, fortunately, Joe has some experience, eight years in the White House. So he feels that he could, he's okay without it, but it still is not okay. So anyway, um, the next time we talk, hopefully we'll have, you know, a little more information. Maybe at some point Trump will concede so that we can drop all this stuff. I suspect now that the cat's out the bag about Trump TV and about all the money making and all that grifting, I think he may be like, okay, let me, because you don't want to mess up your cash cow, right? So we'll see how that all works out. So anyway, uh, again, I appreciate your listening to the Capital G podcast. I'm Greer McVeigh, and that's politics with a capital G. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Capital G. As always, you can find show and host information at capitalgpodcast.com and even more information and commentary on the Capital G blog, which you can also access through capitalgpodcast.com. If you liked what you heard, please share the show with your friends and subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you.